So this guy, this little creature, to quote the always brilliant Ron Burgundy, a miniature Buddha covered in hair. Some of you might know that it was exactly one week ago at just about this time that this little bunny named Pete, new to our household, only about two and a half months with us, only about a three-year-old rabbit, we had to say, my wife and I, goodbye to him. About nine days ago, Pete had developed symptoms that we had seen in some of our other pet bunnies. And so we took him to the best rabbit-savvy vet that we know and got him intravenous uh, you know, saline solution and got some drugs to take him home that we were going to give him to orally, and we thought we'd be okay. And then overnight, Saturday to Sunday last week, Pete showed that morning a bunch of symptoms that are never good for a rabbit or really for any creature. We had seen before in some of our other bunnies, but never so quickly and never in a bun so young. And so it was actually between our 9.30 and 11 o'clock service last week. Myself here, Teresa, my wife at UPenn Vet ER, that we made the decision that it was time to put him down. And we had to say goodbye. Now, there is a difference, I think, as we experience it in our lives and our household between mourning and grieving a pet, an animal, and mourning and grieving a person. It's not the same process, but it's still mourning and grieving. And even though we don't have kids, we are really committed to the life of our bunnies that we've had over the years, so much so that a friend gave us a little framed drawing a few years past that said, our pets are not our children. Just ask their piano teacher. <laughs> so, Pete, yeah, mourning for you is, is different than mourning for a person. But the truth is, is that there will be a peat-shaped hole in my heart and a peat-shaped hole in our home for quite a long time. So I want to give you the context on kind of where I was this time last week. When truth be told, I was barely holding it together. And I have no problem with showing or expressing emotion, but sobbing through two entire services is not what I'm called here to do. And so I kind of buttoned it down a little bit. Let me tell you one of those reasons that I was so on the edge of tears all throughout that morning. See, at about 9.25, right before the 9.30 service, I was back there with the tech team getting all wired and hooked up. A child in the congregation gave me this. There's one little bunny wandering away. And... In the house, I don't know if you can see it, there are about as many bunnies as there are windows. <laughs> That's the way I like it. And it says in the top, from Charlie, the Reverend Ken. This child had no idea that we were on the verge, on the cusp, of putting down one of our beloved pets. He just wanted to offer me a drawing as a gift. To be known for something that you love, especially when it's something as cute and furry and wonderful as bunnies, is like an amazing thing in this life. And that he would offer me this gift 
at this moment of real authentic sadness. Like if this was a picture, actually I think I did put this on Facebook, hashtag heart melt. (laughs) Total melting of my heart. An absolute gift. And another lesson in the fact that none of us absolutely knows what the good that we do does. We don't know the good that we do, its ultimate destination. We don't know how it's going to land with other people and how this landed with me was absolutely perfect. And it brought home for me from this little child offering me this wonderful gift of this drawing. The words that I say at the end of every message that I have given pretty much since I have been ordained. I don't know how I came up with these words. They just kind of came to me. You know them if you've been around for a while. May you live in blessing. May you live in blessing. That's exactly what that child offered to me, a blessing that he offered, and it blessed my life. I say, may you live in blessing, understood a couple different ways. Yes, individual, I'm addressing that to all of you as individuals, but also the plural, you as well. May we all live in blessing. And that's to be understood, or at least I hope it's to be understood, in this way. May you live in blessing. May you live in the realization of the blessings that are already yours. May you live in the appreciative awareness of the blessings in your life, even, as I know for many of us is true, even if life is really quite difficult, if we might stop for a moment, we may be able to name the blessings that are real and true for us. And if we can stop and do that and appreciate and be just somewhat grateful, then there's the second intention. May we gain a deeper life by living and offering acts of blessing. Just as that drawing did for me in helping me draw deeper attention to my life and my own wounded, loving, fully beating heart. May you live in blessing. I offer it as an intention to think of our lives as an opportunity to build a virtuous circle, as a call and response as a taking and a giving, more aware of the blessings that are already here for us, some of which we had nothing to do anything about to get them here into our lives. In that awareness, may we offer our lives forth as a deeper blessing upon other people's lives. Yes, it begins with us as individuals. It's the only way that we can choose to offer our blessings from the particular shape of our souls and our spirits in this life. And at the same time, when we choose to live in blessing, we recognize that it does not end with us as cut off solitary individuals. It connects us to other people. It connects us to this life to live in blessing. This is what the meaning of this message series has been about, original blessing. It concludes here today with these words that we might recognize that we are not apart from, we are a part of, that wherever we will look in reality with deep eyes of appreciation, we will see relationship and we will have the opportunity, the invitation to live in blessing in that day. This is part of a process that the great Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung called individuation. Now, I could go into a whole bunch of stuff from the Frankfurt School and running from freedom and the failure to individuate ourselves and the way that that impacts our spiritual growth and ability to connect and bless this life and bless ourselves. But I think I can do that with a couple different pictures to explain the difference between individuation and a way that we might hear it in our culture, which is individualism. They are not the same. Individualism is this. 
Any of you remember this? When I was at the Hill School, bastion of privilege that it was as a boarding student there, this was up on about half the walls of all the sons of us ruling class. And that's exactly what we were and who we are in many ways still. All the privilege there. And it's not poverty sucks. I mean, the truth is right. Poverty sucks. It's difficult. It's brutal. Some of us are experiencing it right now. But it's not poverty sucks. And I'm going to extend my life, my energies towards blessing in such a way that I'm helping other people who may not access to potable water to get potable water. It's not poverty sucks. I'm going to be engaged in work that will help to make this a more just economy. No, it's poverty sucks. Hmm. I've got my Rolls Royce, I've got my champagne, and everything is good. This is poverty sucks as in lifestyles of the rich and famous. If you were a child of the 80s, if you're a millennial, maybe it's pimp my ride that makes more sense to you. (laughs) But that's poverty sucks. I've got mine. That's individualism. Cut off, not connected, no original sense of blessing. What is individuation, as Jung was encouraging us in this life? It's these words from E.E. Cummings, son of a Unitarian clergy person. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. That process of naming and knowing our lives and moving beyond our habituation, our conditioning, into a fuller realization of the gifts that we have to offer in this life is rarely, if ever, an easy process. And yet at the same time that we move into the fuller realization of who we are, if it is individuation, we also recognize that we are connect, connected to everyone and everything. This is another way to understand individuation. These words from the poet, Irish poet William Butler Yeats. My 50th year had come and gone. I sat a solitary man in a crowded London shop, an open book, an empty cup on the marble tabletop. While on the shop and street I gazed, my body of a sudden blazed, and 20 minutes more or less it seemed so great my happiness that I was blessed and could bless. This is original blessing. This is may you live in blessing. I mean, I love this poem so much. I mean, it's like it's that 50th year thing. It's like for those of us who are getting a little close, I'm a couple weeks away from my 45th birthday. It's like that midlife stuff, crisis, opportunity. We're going to grow. We're going to fall apart. We're going to collapse. I love that it even names 20 minutes, which for those of us who are mindfulness teachers is like industry standard. If we just learn to sit for like 20 minutes... We might recognize the appreciation of our lives and see our lives more clearly. I love that my body of a sudden blazed. One of our core beliefs here at Wellsprings, the burning bush is blazing everywhere. And also, yes, that solitariness. That's often part of what individuation requires of us. To take a little bit of time out and time away from the rush and hustle of our lives and feel our solitariness, perhaps even our loneliness, so that we might be returned to life more appreciative, more awake, and more aware. This is really important stuff, this difference between individuation and mere competitive individualism. It makes a great deal of difference in how we treat each other, especially those people, those beings who are different from ourselves. Which brings me to this person who I did not know before this last Tuesday. 
This is a woman named Tess Munster, who is, as they call it in the fashion biz, a plus-sized model. I became aware of her because of a blog post that I saw on another friend's Facebook feed from the blog site Everyday Feminism. And the title of this particular post is this, Why People Hate Tess Munster and Other Happy Fat People. This is a brilliant social critique. The writer talks about all the ways that we buy into Not just women, it's also true for men. I know this from my own insecurities about my own body. These images, this idealization of body currency, we buy into it and demean ourselves and demean other people by thinking that somehow we don't match up and spend a lot of time and sometimes a lot of money not treating ourselves well, not treating ourselves healthfully or kindly, but treating ourselves, our very physical presence as a source of hatred that is only exists to be changed and demeaned. Now, one of the other things in this wonderful post, why people hate Tess Munster and other happy fat people, is a story of another writer, another person who spends a lot of time online, a writer named Lindy West, who writes a lot about body positivity and self-love, and another person who is simply, shall we say, large. Lindy West spends a lot of time talking about loving herself, her body, encouraging other people to love their bodies, not treat the body as a source of hatred. Lindy West is often trolled. I think some of you know what trolling is. Hopefully none of us have ever been trolls, at least not intentionally. Lindy West is trolled in vile and vicious ways. People wish that she would be the victim of a sexual assault. They wonder how she can walk around feeling good about herself when she's so large. This is something she has to put up with on a regular basis in terms of telling her story, which sets up this next part of the story that the blog post talks about, which is that one of Lindy West's trolls authentically apologized to her said, I am sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. And she was skeptical at first. It seemed this guy was genuine. She was so intrigued by a troll actually apologizing to her and taking responsibility for the vile words he had said that they set up a phone conversation that lasted two and a half hours, part of which was then broadcast on This American Life. Maybe you've heard this episode. It's amazing. These are some words from their conversation, their dialogue between, as the Post calls it Troll Dude and Lindy West. Troll Dude, well, it, the the hatred I had for you, revolved around one issue that you wrote about a lot, which was your being heavy. The struggles that you had regarding being a woman of size or whatever the term may be. Lindy West responds, you can say fat. That's what I say. Fat. Okay, fat. He responds, When you talked about being proud of who you are and where you are and where you're going, that kind of stoked the anger that I had. The blog post goes on to describe that Troll Do shared that he was done with Internet harassment nowadays, but confessed that during the time that he lashed out at Lindy, he was living what he called a passionless life, that he hated his body. He had been dumped and worked at a job he despised. He had the opposite of happiness. The interesting thing is that since then, 
He started school again. He's found a girlfriend, started teaching little kids, and found fulfillment. He also no longer tries to inflict pain on others online. And the blog writer concludes, it's fascinating how this works. It just goes to prove what everyone has known all along. Happy people don't purposely try to hurt other people. It's something that we've talked about all throughout this message series. These simple words. The first one is a misunderstanding. That we might think from the messages we get from our culture that to be healed or healing means we're no longer hurt. When in fact, some of the most healed and healing people we know, I know, are people who have the great capacity to be hurt, to be vulnerable. The opposite of healing is harming. This is where the choice whether to live in blessing or to live in cursing To be merely a competitive individual or to individuate makes all the difference in the world. That reformed troll was starting to understand that out of his own hurt, he had caused other people harm. And in his healing, out of that hurt, he did not need to harm any longer. I don't know a single person in this life that has loved authentically, genuinely, deeply, that has ever gone through this life unhurt. To open our hearts means that our hearts will break. And what many of us are learning, and it took me a long time to learn this, especially because I'm wired a little reactively. I can run a little hot when I get in those halt states, you know, hangry, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or even hangry. I love that one. <laughs> and lash out. But in our hurt, we don't have to harm. And that's how we experience healing. We can recognize in that moment in which we are feeling hurt, in which we are feeling heartbroken, we can take the guidance, the blessed guidance of, of these wonderful creatures You know that site, Calming Manatee? Please check it out, especially if you're not feeling so good today. It's a whole bunch of memes of manatees just blessing you. What could be better? Well, maybe bunnies blessing you, but manatees will have to work. And those words, maybe take the hand of someone near you. You want to. Don't do that to yourself. You are so loved. And by the way, don't do that to anyone else either. You are so loved. That moment in which we experience the disturbance, the hurt, we don't have to take that drink, that drug. We don't have to lash out. We don't have to make someone else a victim in our own feeling victimized. This is what learning to live in blessing is all about. That none of us get through this life without hurt. And all of us can learn to live in this life without harming. This is blessing. This too, for many of us, especially this past week, is blessing as well. Leonard Nimoy, known for this 
I can't do it with this hand. An old flag football injury means that actually this hand really doesn't move the way that I want it to. I can't hold these two. Anyway, so I'll do this. But I I grew up actually seeing this because as Leonard Nimoy explains, this is the rabbinic blessing at the end of many synagogue services. The rabbinic blessing that starts with this letter of Hebrew, the Shem. For the Shema, the, the ancient central prayer of Judaism. The Shem that starts that beautiful word of invitation and hospitality, shalom, of peace. Now, this is associated with, of course, tell me the words. There was far too much questioning there. Come on. (laughs) May you live long and prosper. Now, how we interpret this can be all about individualism or can be about individuation. Several Trekkers, not Trekkies, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm neither, by the way, but I, I know enough to at least not call you all Trekkies, those of you who are Trekkers, told me after the first service that the authentic interpretation of may you live long and prosper is not may you just focus on your own wealth and having a long life. Prosperity is in the original Vulcan, as I understand it, has been explained to me, about flourishing and growth for all of us. But I have to say that may you live long and prosper the way that it's sometimes understood in our culture at large is dangerously close to this. The one who dies with the most toys wins. This is not what Spock and it's certainly not what Leonard Nimoy meant. Because the truth, as many of us know, as many of us know that some of the most blessed and blessing lives that we have ever been graced to be touched by were lives that were not around for a very long time and lives that were not in any objective sense of the word wealthy or prosperous. Not in the ways we normally think of that word. But may you live long and prosper as a blessing to other people and to all of us not just ourselves as isolated individuals. This truly is a reminder that all of us count and all of us matter. I've presided over funerals for people whose lives were cut short and they lived a life of full blessing. And their blessing lives on after them. They are still living in blessing, even though they're not here. When we think of Selma and this bloody Sunday anniversary, and we think of Jimmy Lee Jackson, and we think of Viola Liuzzo, and we think of Reverend James Reeb, the last two, yes, Unitarian Universalists, none of whom died with great wealth and all all of whom died because of violence and untimely deaths. When we think about what their lives meant... Their lives still live on and prosper us if we recognize that living long and prospering is not really about ourselves alone. And recognizing the value of their lives and the lives that we have to say goodbye to, even though we don't want to, even though we wished that they were not gone, we know that even to live in grief is to live in blessing. I haven't selected the words of my epitaph or even the means of my final resting place for that matter either. 
But in whatever form I will, quote-unquote, lie in state or in ashes, wherever it will be, I think these are the words I would like to have so I will be remembered. They're from the poet and the writer Raymond Carver, who lived for most of his years on this earth a dissolute, irresponsible, hurt, and harming life. And then he woke up. And he lived a responsible life, a loving life. And then five years after that, he got cancer and was dead before he was 50. He wrote this poem called Late Fragment, a dialogue with himself. And tell me, did you get what you wanted from this life even so? And tell me, did you get what you wanted from this life even so? Yes, I did. And what was it that you wanted? To call myself beloved. To feel myself beloved on this earth. I think those two words, even so, may be the most important words I have ever heard. Those are words of grace. Those are words that say none of us, if we love, get out of here with unbroken hearts. Those are words that say we can heal. Even so. How fragile and miraculous is it that we are here today? Maybe in the midst of great pain but maybe with the opportunity to recognize the blessings that are ours. I mean, here's a little exercise if you want to do to recognize the blessings that are yours. Think about how many things had to go right today just for you to be here. Like just this morning, like just in the last hour. And then extend it a little bit more. Think about all the things that had to go right yesterday for you to be here. And then think that all the things that had to go right in your life, just generally, just list 10 of them that had to go right for you to be here. And then think about all the things that had to go right in your parents' life for you to be here. And yes, I know how deeply imperfect so many of our parents were. We're not talking about turning them into people that we're not, just as those of you who are parents are not talking about turning yourselves into people that you're not either, right? Blessing doesn't require perfection. In fact, blessing is built so often on imperfection. Think about how so many things had to go right for you to be here today. This is how we can start to live in blessing because then we can recognize today, right now, this moment is a choice point. Will you live in blessing? Will you add to the storehouse of life's blessedness? My friends, I hope that we can pause for a moment and in small ways and large, in ways that we can draw, in ways that we can write, and in ways that we can speak, that we will all say yes. My friends, may you live in blessing. May we live in blessing. May there be blessing. Amen. Let's pray together. O oh God, great source of blessing rippling through our lives, 
lives imperfect, lives that partake of suffering and sorrow, lives that partake of great joy. Sometimes the secrets of the past are hidden from us and the way forward into the future is unclear. And so, just right now in this moment, may we invite ourselves to taste and to take of that blessing that has been offered us. Even if it's small, may we treasure it. Even if it comes with fur on, may we treasure it. Even if it's big giant things written in the the sky, a beautiful day, a warm day, may we treasure it. In the hands we hold, may we treasure it. May we hold these blessings in our hearts and turn our lives away from harming and from cursing and fulfill that ancient, timeless promise of blessedness and belovedness, remembering that we truly are already blessed and already beloved. Amen.